Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the second book of Kings, that is Malachim Bet, Perak Gimel, chapter 3. We um, just completed in <coughs> chapter 2 was um, the beginning of the career of Elisha. We learned of Eliyahu, Elijah, Eliyahu, who had rode up to heaven in a chariot, a fire, and his student, his disciple Elisha, took over. We read of the two of the uh, miracles that Elisha had performed. Um, one was a very, um, uh, uh, you know, a very helpful one. One where he helped the people of Jericho by performing a miracle that made their water drinkable. And the second was when uh, he made uh, bears come forth from the forest to destroy uh, children that had been taunting him. Um, both uh, were interesting on their own right. We discussed them and uh, touched a little bit on the difficulties that they presented. But as we go through today's chapter, uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about Elisha and a little bit more about his career. So hopefully over time we'll be able to develop an understanding of Elisha, who he was, what he accomplished, and what his um, traits were. Now, where we left off, Yehoshaphat was the king <coughs> of Judah, was the king of Judah of the southern kingdom, and he was <coughs> a righteous king, <coughs> a king that was faithful to God, a king that sought counsel of God through his prophets when he had major questions of state. And the king in the northern kingdom was Yehoram, who was the brother of Ahaziah, uh, who they were, both of whom were sons of Ahav. Remember Ahav, when he passed on, um, his son Ahaziah took over. Ahaziah didn't last long. We learned of his death. Um, and, uh, and now his Yehoram is now the king of the northern kingdom. So that's where we're going to start. Yehoram ben Ahav. Yehoram, the son of Ahav, Malach al-Yisrael b'Shomron, was king over the people of Israel, meaning the northern kingdom, in Shomron, which is, as we know, the capital of the northern kingdom. Bishnat Shmona Esrei Leoshafet Malach Yehuda. When he sat on the throne, it was in the 18th year of the reign of Yehoshaphat, the king of Judah. His reign lasted for 12 years. What was his reign like? And the general pattern of the book of Kings uh, usually gives us a one or two sentence assessment of whether they were good, bad, or somewhere in between. So Yehoram, we will learn, was somewhere in between. He did what was evil in the eyes of God, so he was mostly bad. But not as bad as his father and his mother. In what way? Because he removed the... Um, the matseva, the the uh, uh, stone or pillar statue or something that was used to worship Baal, that his father had made. So he he got rid of that. So it seems, however, in verse three, with the sins of Yeravam of Jeroboam, the first king of the northern kingdom after the split, those things, the sins that he did that he led the people of Israel to sin, he remained attached to those. Lo sarmi meno, he did not turn away from them. So we get the picture. He moved away from the worship of Baal, from the worship of idols, which means that he still at least paid lip service to worshiping God himself. However, 
just like Yeravam uh, set up these the temples with the um, with the uh, golden with the calves, the golden calves to worship in uh, two temples in, in the north. And Yeravam did that in order that the people of the northern kingdom should not go to the south, because uh, lest they decide to follow the southern kingdom of Judah, which is a political decision, not a religious decision. So they figured the leaders of, of the northern kingdom and Yehoram as well said, we'll just keep worshiping God, but we'll worship him up here, which is, of course, a terrible sin, um, because, uh, because uh, this is not how God wanted to be worshipped, which he made very clear in many places. And also it led, it, it led to a permanent split, which never, ever healed. Um, and maybe it could have healed. Now, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, the king of Yehuda, um, uh, did attempt to uh, heal that rift by becoming, uh, making an alliance, a military and political alliance with the northern kingdom, despite the fact that the northern kingdom was continuing on this evil path that Yeravam, the first king of Israel, and now all the way down to Yehoram, continued on this evil path. Now, at this time, remember, in the beginning of chapter 2, when we read of, right after we read of Ahav's death, of Ahab's death, we read that Moab rebelled. Now Moab was a, a, a vassal kingdom to the northern kingdom, and they paid tribute to the northern kingdom. And Ahav, who was a powerful king, as, as evil as he was, it was clear that he, he reigned at the height of the strength and the power of the northern kingdom. So um, we read that they rebelled, but Ahaziah, who had a very brief reign, it doesn't say anything about him doing anything about it when Moab rebelled. So, but now we're going to read what Yehoram is going to try to do. Umesha Malach Moab Mesha, the king of Moab, was a shepherd, or he, Nokeid means he raised sheep or he bred sheep. And he would give to the king of Israel, Meha Elef Karim. 100,000 lambs and 100,000 rams that, um, that were full of, of, of wool. So in other words, that was the tax. It was a huge tax that the king of Moab would have to pay to the king of Israel on an annual basis. So a huge annual, a huge tax. And it was when this, the king Ahab uh, died, and the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel, obviously by stopping to pay this tax. Um, so Ahaziah, who had a very brief reign, didn't do anything about it. But now, when this happened, Yehoram, who is now the king, he went out, he left the capital, and he went around the, 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 the people of Israel, the northern kingdom, and he gathered all of the people together to fight Moab to crush this rebellion. And in addition, because he knew he would need a lot of strength, he went by Yishlach and he sent messengers El Yehoshaphat Malach Yehuda Leimar to Yehoshaphat, the king of Yehuda, saying as follows: Malach Moab Poshabi, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Hatelechiti El Moab LaMilchama, will you come up with me? Will you ally yourself with me to come wage war against Moab? Will we fight together? Vayomer and Yehoshaphat's answer was: Ele, I will go. Kamoni Kamocha, Kami Kamecha, Kisusai Kisusecha. Like, I, I am with you. In other words, I, you and I as kings are allies. My nation and your nation are allies. And my horses and your horses, which is the equivalent of saying my armies and your armies, are all allied together. We work together as a team. 
Vayomer, so now they started to discuss strategy. Which path should we take? Vayomer, derech midbar Edom. Let's go through the wilderness of Edom. Now Moab is slightly closer to the north. Edom is closer to the south. Edom had been subjugated by David from David's time and was still a vassal kingdom to Judah, to the southern kingdom. And they said, we're going to go through the wilderness of Edom, meaning it goes south um, through Edom to attack Moab from the south, which would not be the way Moab would expect to be attacked. Um, so, um, because it's a much longer path and it traverses large amounts of desert area. And especially if the attack is coming primarily from the northern kingdom, this wouldn't be the logical place for Moab to expect. So presumably this strategy was in order to surprise the Moabites and attack from a flank which they weren't expecting it. So the king of Israel and the king of Yehuda and were introduced now to the king of Edom, who was also now joined the two kings in this fight. Melech Edom presumably somewhat half-heartedly, joining Yehuda because they remained vassals to Yehuda, at least at this point in history. <coughs> so Yehuda probably said, you're, my, you're, you're under me, you help fight along with me. Um, and this is going to be important as we read later in this chapter about the progress of this battle. So Edom comes along. So now you have three kings, three armies, three allies attacking, or at least heading towards Moab to attack them. And they went all the way around on a seven-day-long trip. And they ran out of water. For, for, they ran out of water. There wasn't enough water for the soldiers, for the camp. And they didn't have enough waters for their animals, which are, of course, crucial to the war effort. One wonders exactly what they were thinking. They knew they were going on a long trek through a desert, <coughs> desert <coughs> wilderness, what was this is a massive logistical error the verses don't go into this but it makes you wonder exactly what kind of planning went into this this is a pretty basic need water and it wasn't planned for by uh, presumably one must assume maybe they thought there were sources of water that had dried up or whatever but whatever reason they, this this here they are stuck without water by omer melech israel and the king of israel said aha whoa God caused it to happen that all three of these kings, in other words, me and these two others, Moab, to put, give us over for, to die at the hands of Moab. In other words, maybe they had enough water to survive, so he wasn't worried about them dying of thirst, but they needed a lot of water for the animals, right? So they, they, in order to be strong, the people to be strong to fight, without enough water, they wouldn't be able to put up a good fight, and we're going to lose. This is crucial because the Melech Yisrael, the king of Israel, Yehoram, immediately blames God. There's no faith here at all, no um, uh, 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 prayer at all. He just, remember, Yehoram had given up the, 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 um, the Baal. He had given up the worship of, of, of the idols. And he's sticking with at least what he considers to be worship of, of God, the same God, and at least in his mind, as Yehoshaphat is worshiping. But one would think that now he's thinking to himself, and this is the impression that one get. well, what good did it do for me that I went and served God, right? I could have stuck with Baal for all this, especially since Baal, of course, is the god of rain, right? As we've studied before and we've mentioned as we studied, especially in the first book of Kings. 
right? I should have stayed stuck with Baal. Now I, I have God, the, the Kikoro Hashem, the, Yud, the Yudke Vavke, God's name, right? And now what had happened? He served, put me and these other two kings, three of us, are all about to lose in this big battle. So what's Yehoshaphat's response? Yehoshaphat's response is very different. The difference between a true person that's faithful to God and uh, like Yehoshaphat and a person who is simply going with the zeitgeist, uh, Yehoram, is very different. Yehoram blames God immediately. Yehoshaphat says, we can't lose hope. We got to figure out what to do. And how do we do that? Is there any, is there no prophet to God here in this whole camp of all these soldiers? There must be some prophets that came along. So let's find out what God wants from him. Maybe there is a faithful man, a man of God, who we can talk to. And one of the servants of the king of Israel, of the northern kingdom, said, Po Elisha ben Shaphat. Elisha ben Shaphat is here with us. The Elisha ben Shaphat who poured water on the hands of Eliyahu. Poured water is, an, is a, a reference to the fact that he served Eliyahu as a student. and a stu- He served him, in other words, he helped wash his hands. Elisha is here. It's fascinating that the kings had no idea that Elisha was there. But apparently Elisha came along. It's possible, uh, Elisha we know was a prophet in the northern kingdom. We said that, that Yehoram mustered all of the fighting men of the northern kingdom. Elisha as a prophet was an able-bodied man and he went along. Or it could be, which Chazal, the, the tradition teaches us, that Elisha had some sort of nevuah, some sort of prophecy that he should go along because he would be called upon. Regardless, here he is. So now they have someone to ask. <coughs> so Yehoshaphat says, let's, let's ask Elisha. Yes, with him, the word of God goes with him. So now the king of Israel went down to him, together with Yehoshaphat, and the king of Edom. <coughs> the commentaries note that it lists the Melech Israel, the king of Israel, the Melech Edom, the king of Edom, <coughs> but Yehoshaphat, the king of Yehuda, is mentioned by his name. And, and many point out that, the, the, first of all, this was to their credit of all three. They went down to him. In other words, they presented themselves to the prophet as opposed to the asking that the prophet should come and present himself to them, which is a tremendous show of respect for God and his representative. However, Yehoshaphat didn't go down as a king. He went down as a person. The other two still went down uh, you know, the commentaries, uh, traditional commentaries explain, you know, they went down in all of their fancy garments of, of kingdom, uh, of kingship, or royal clothing and so on. Yehoshaphat went down as just Yehoshaphat, out of deference to God and his prophet. So, so they went to him. And what was the response? <coughs> exactly the question and how it was posed uh, isn't stated. Could be that they didn't state any question at all. But here in verse 13, Immediately, Elisha says to the king of Israel, What is there between me and you? There's nothing There's nothing in common between me and you. Why don't you go ask the prophets of your father, and to the prophets of your mother. Go ask the prophets of Baal. Go ask the prophets of his consort, Asherah. Right? Talk to them. Right? Yehoram, I'm not talking to you. So, but before I read the, the king of Israel's response, 
Elisha's speech to the the king of Israel is is interesting because on the one hand, one might think, and this could very well be a legitimate criticism of Elisha, right? Yehoram was far from a good person. He was, as we said before, an evil person, and it was leading the people <laughs> on an evil path. <clears throat> However, he did take some steps in the right direction. Maybe why would Elisha say, "Go to the Nevi'e Avicha"? Right or the Neviyei Mecha to the prophets of your father and your mother, if maybe, maybe um, Elisha didn't know that Yehoram had abandoned Baal, or maybe he could have said, if you truly want to be faithful to God, don't do like you did, which was blame God immediately and say I should have went back to Baal, but say no, I need to speak to God the way I am supposed to. I need to be faithful the way I'm supposed to. But Elisha instead got angry and it didn't. And treated Yehoram as if he was still a worshiper of Baal. So Vayomelo Melech Yisrael, so the king of Israel said to him in his response, Al, don't talk this way. We're in a bad situation now. God has made it happen that all these three kings, these three kings that are standing in front of you, are about to be, lose in a major battle to Moab, right? We need help now. And, and, and the king is, say, is really saying, almost rebuking Elisha and saying, why do you talk to me this way? I'm here because you are supposed to be and you are a prophet of God. And God has set up a situation in which we are in serious distress. We need your help. We're coming to you. We're not going to the prophets of Baal or prophets of Asher. We're coming to you. But Elisha didn't take that answer. By Yomer Elisha, immediately Elisha said, Chai Adonai Tzvos Asher Amati by the by, as God lives, as God the Lord of Hosts lives, the God whom I stand before, Kilule Peneyo Shafat Malach Yudan Inosei. Had I not been standing in front of Yehoshaphat, the King of Judah, if I wasn't standing in front of him, he who is righteous, he who is faithful, Imabit Elacha Veimereka, that I wouldn't even look at your face, I wouldn't even see you, I wouldn't be interested in talking to you. Now here, Elisha is speaking out of significant anger. You can feel the palpable anger that he has. And that's very important because Elisha realizes that if he's here to give true advice and he's here as a prophet to truly tell these kings what they should do in the dire situation that they're in, he can't answer out of anger. He needs to calm down and he needs to give an answer that's thought out, that's thoughtful, that's considered. So immediately, what did Elisha do? He says now, I need you to find me someone who can play music. And it was when they brought a musician and he sang music or he played an instrument, Elisha was able to calm his mind. And from here, Chazal, the, the, uh, the rabbis teach that, that a prophet cannot say prophecy in anger when he's angry. For a prophet to say prophecy to know truth, one needs to have a calm happy uh, 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 and, 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 uh, and not an angry mind. At that point, the, God's, the hand of God, which is often used to refer to the wisdom of God, was then upon him. This I'm going to stop here for the first part of chapter 3, and in the second part we're going to read of Elisha's prophecy, what advice did he give the kings, and what happened in the battle, um, so I'm going to leave you hanging on a little bit of a thread and some suspense. Thank you so much for studying this together with me. Looking forward to studying the end of this chapter, the entire book of Kings, of course, and have a wonderful day.